baby. Speed, we're going to break it down. Pelvis speed, torso speed, hand speed, bat speed. We're breaking it all down, Bo. Speed, speed, speed. There is this thing of baseball and the constraint of baseball that has to come back to consistency and how often I hit the ball hard. It's not how, it's not how hard you hit the ball. It's how often you hit the ball hard. We should be capturing and gaining speed, right? We call them, and on KVS, they call them speed gains. There should be speed gains from segment to segment to segment to segment, right? Into contact. It's not about how much force I create. That is very important still. That is a big piece of it. But we have to understand that we have to be able to transmit that force into the ball. So a lot of people are gaining a whole bunch of speed, but they're not generating that speed into the ball. Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome the first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakutech. Yakutech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of pitch ball. No other system captures such clarity on a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakutech.com. On this episode, Bo and I talk about speed, baby. (laughs) Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Bo and Joe. Welcome back to another episode of The Farm, Unfiltered. Joey, my dog, excited to be back on the mic with you and and have another opportunity to share some information through the airwaves. And uh, to start off the show this week, I wanted to Give a shout out to you guys tuning into the show. Obviously, we wouldn't have um, the platform and the podcast we have if you guys didn't tune in each week. So I um, wanted to give you guys a little bit of love to start off the show here as well. Um, Joey, for this week's episode, uh, what do you think we're going to dive into? Speed, baby. Speed. We're going to break it down. Pelvis speed, torso speed, hand speed, bat speed. We're breaking it all down, Bo. Speed, speed, speed. <laughs> Perfect. I love that, man. Um, first of all, why don't you just start off by saying... Something of this topic is important to talk about just in relation to hitting in general. Yeah, so very important this way. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that the you know speed of everything. Everybody's chasing speed, 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 speed. How fast can I move things? Um, you know, I want to have the. Uh, you know, I look at the range. My pro guys are. You know, they rotate at this velocity with their pelvis, and this velocity with their torso, and this velocity with their hands, and this velocity with their bat. And I need to have that now. Right. And I need to get to those ranges. I need to train for those ranges. And when guys end up going that route and they're chasing numbers and they're chasing these, uh, you know, the data side of that and they're just, they're not having the context that's a, a you know, a part with it. Um, it comes to, I, I it's like running down uh, the branch of a tree. At some point you get to the end and you realize, Oh, wait went the wrong direction. I need to go back. And so, um, I think it leads to very short, um, you know, these, uh, 
understanding that when we chase these things down, it leads us down um, like empty holes that don't have any gold. Uh, you know, we're mining for this this gold that is not. We're in the wrong hole. And so I think a lot of times with that, people just see these numbers and they instantly start chasing that and it leads them down the wrong path. So that's why I think it's so important for us to talk about because that's what everybody is in search of, um, especially now that we can measure all these things. Yeah, exactly. And and you make a good point, um, you know, especially with the technology and some of these data collection units that we can use, uh, it's it's common for us to just chase numbers. Um, if it's not about speed, it's more about the movement. Um, how do you go about communicating that with your players? And especially if you get guys that um, are number chasers, what's, what's the initial process in communicating with them and getting them to buy in to more of that movement and, and making sure they're mo- moving more efficiently? Then maybe um, is quick. Yeah, no, and the this is the thing is some of the things with that. Like this isn't a new problem, right? Yes, there's numbers now, but I think I've mentioned this at one point in the podcast that before there was numbers and there was data, guys were trying to hit balls far, guys were trying to hit home runs, guys were trying to do like again. We've been doing that for coaches, been doing that for years. Hey, stay out of the air, hit line drives, all these other things, right? Focus on the movement. Don't worry about the results. You know, buy into the approach, buy into the process, blah, 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 right? Guys have been doing this for a really long time. This isn't a new coach problem. This has been around. Uh, coach has been dealing with this. So now we just have a n- another source of feedback, right, um, that helps guys when they're in the cage. I mean, look, cage bombs have been a thing for years. That is not something that's new. Uh, that was something, you know, again, even before, long before I came along, uh, like as soon as the cages were invented, guys were trying to, you know, crush balls while they were still in the cage. So now that we have these, uh, you know, we have K-Vest, we have all these uh, bat sensors, we have blasts, all these other diamond kinetics, all these different things. We also have, you know, Rapsodo hit tracks and we have flight scope and we have uh, uh, track man and, you know, we have other devices even too um, on the sense of radar guns and uh, Yakker tech and all these other places, right, that we can track speeds in different uh, arenas. Um, you know, right now, you know, we're, I'm more going to be focused on the hitting side of these things, but, um, I think initially, especially with the K-Vest numbers, um, I've seen guys use, uh, K-Vest in a lot of uh, wrong ways, or even to just biomechanics feedback, um, and a lot of different, uh, wrong ways when they're looking into that. And that some of it has to do in the fault of, uh, biomechanists in this way. They're very like limited in the sense of scope of, uh, what they're seeing and they're limited by their information that they have um, and the experiential knowledge that they may be lacking because of not being uh, directly involved with the sport on a daily basis. But there's a lot more going on than the speed. So initially, um, you know, going back to your question there is when we talk to uh, our athletes, it's just like any other meeting, right? And they're coming in and they believe one thing or whatever. We have to get everybody pulling in the same direction. And when we do that, we need to sit them down and give them an understanding of why speed is not everything. Right. That's the basic. A lot of times people are just lacking information. Right. The, uh, the ignorance on the subject, which is OK. Right. We need to work, um, understanding that, you know, we're not all intelligent in every um, we might have limited resources or limited information or maybe we are taught uh, some limited information um, that there's a lot more going on than just the speed of an object. Um, and, you know, there's a lot, a lot of ways to create that. And that's when, um, you know, we'll kind of dive into that in a little bit is, you know, why and let's get into the meat of that of why the speed um, isn't everything. So that's something that we're going to dive into as we continue to go on as well. Yeah. And you, you open up the some of those uh, data collections, KVEST, things that we use on a a constant basis. Um, why don't we dive into that a little bit here? When you talk about speed and and ways to create it, when you see guys that that move quick at hand speed, um, pelvis speed, 
what what are some of those compensators that can allow those guys to do that? And where do they uh, sometimes come up short and have some efficiencies in their swing? Yeah, so perfect example. Just the other day, we had a um, we had someone come and visit the shop. Um, he was uh, kind of up and uh, through Major League Baseball, um, and his son his son is uh, 14 years old. Right, he comes in. We put him up on to K vest and everything, um, and he's a pretty good athlete, pretty good athlete, pretty big sized kid for his age. Now, when we put him on K vest and all those things, he's um, in pro ranges and almost everything, um, including um, hand speed. Right, so a lot of people will say, oh, "Okay, well, how, how about his hand speed?" But almost in everything, he's. Uh, I think the only thing he wasn't, um, and it was swing to swing, is sometimes his torso was a little slow. Right, but lead arm, um, hand pelvis, all of those were in pro ranges, right? And you'd say, wow, he must be a great athlete. He must create, you know, creates a lot of speed. He's probably hitting balls really hard for his age. He was hitting balls like 72, 73. So, um, which is actually lower. We'd have some 13 year olds in our shop that hit balls at 95. So that's not, you know, anywhere close to like elite when we come into those things, but he has all these, uh, elite speed numbers, right? And so you're like, okay, well, what's the connect, uh, disconnect there? There's all this speed, right? Uh, KVS says his sequence is this or that. Um, and this, that, this is another thing is when we look at, um, you know, these, these speed numbers, we got to take in that there's a lot more going on than just the speed. So, um, you know, drivelines put out quite a bit of things, you know, mentioning the same thing, but this is the thing is look, the, one of the overrated and misunderstood speed ratings, in my opinion, is pelvis speed. I, I swear to you, I, I, I think at this point, has how, much, how much data that I've looked at and collected, that I, I believe that a 75-year-old grandpa could create elite-level pelvis speed. And I say that because there's a lot of ways to create speed, just like exit velocity, okay? But this is because it's your pelvis that's actually even easier. And this is what I, I would say with this, is that your lower half is the master compensator. Like your lower half, there's so much force that that anybody can create from their lower half in a multitude of ways to create that speed that pelvis speed is one of the most common things that everybody has. That is a like a very common thing for guys that have pro range, um, you know, when it comes to pelvis speed. Um, that is something that's not odd. We've, you know, we've collected that. Uh, Drivelines mentioned that multiple times. There's, you know, a bunch of two, like, again, biomechanic studies that are the same thing. That guys that constantly rotate, especially just baseball uh, players in that, in that matter, elite level, you know, whatever elite level you'd like to consider pelvis speed um, is not uncommon, okay? Um, and that's, and the reason with that is, Look, there's a lot of ways I can get my pelvis up to speed. I can push my pelvis, right? I can push with my legs. I can use my quads. I can be using, uh, you know, these muscles out of sequence. I can be using the wrong muscles at the wrong times. I can be using uh, more force from uh, different areas at the wrong times. Um, I could not even be using my glutes at all to write, which is one of our one of my major accelerators. Um, uh, that helps uh, externally rotate and uh, control my pelvis, right? Uh, I cannot be using my abductors. I could be not be using uh, my, you know, my uh, force production from the floor very well. Um, I could be, you know, I could be compensating with my 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 ability to push into the floor. There's a whole bunch of ways that I can speed up my pelvis. I could be jumping. I could be leg kicking. I could be doing a whole bunch of things that are getting my pelvis up to speed, but not necessarily. It could also not only could it not 
benefit my exit velocity that you know obviously the speed that the ball's coming off the bat but it could also hinder my exit velocity even though my speed of my pelvis is increasing so that's something that is very misunderstood and everybody's trying to yank their hips as hard as they can when meanwhile most people that we measure have not you know don't have a uh, don't have a lot of trouble getting in those ranges if that was what we're trying to get in and is that to is that because they're getting it up to high high speeds and then they can't stop it yeah, so that's definitely a big part of that is uh okay, look, it's it's not one thing. It's all it's all it's not a single thing. It's a multitude of things that all become one thing, right? That's yogiism there. It's not one thing, but it is one thing, okay? Meaning that it's not one segment, right? It's all the segments of your body, the whole anatomical structure, not pieces, not broken into um it's an integration right? An integration of anatomy and everything working together, uh, biomechanics, kinesiology, right? And, 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 uh, a multitude of skill acquisition, motor control, motor learning, all these things like interwining all into one thing, right? Um, it's that ne- you're never training one system. There's never one system that's on. You're always using all of your systems in your body at all times, right? We also have to take in the brain, the nervous system, all these things, right? You gotta, you gotta bring all these things together of what's creating these, these, the result. And when we take that in and we actually look at that, okay, there's a lot of guys that can, um, and this is something that is, is very common as well. Um, even though this individual I was talking about earlier did have the hand speed there as well, most people can have the pelvis speed but don't have the hand speed going into contact, right, um, that, that a pro athlete would have. So what that means, and we talk about it, we talk about it as uh, capturing energy up the body. Meaning when you look at KVS, what you should see, right? And when we look at, um, you know, when we're just tracking kinematic sequences, period, right? And I let that be in a lab um, like we have. Again, we have a biomechanics lab that we, we're partnered with that, we, you know, we can do this as well. But what you want to see is that you want the pelvis will be moving the slowest out of the entire rest of the body, right? So you have the pelvis, right? Then you have your torso, your lead arm, and then your hand, you should be gaining speed from segment to segment all the way up your body, right? Um, we'll get into what that sequence should really be probably on a different podcast and kind of dive into some of that information because that's very interesting. But right now, just think about that, that you should be gaining and capturing energy up through your body, right? Like uh, the kinematic sequence, right? Or the, what's the other word for it? Uh, the kinetic chain. Yeah, kinetic chain, right? The kinetic chain, like the whip effect, right? People have talked about it like with the whip effect is understanding that we should be um, capturing and gaining speed, right? We call them, and on KVS, they call them speed gains. There should be speed gains from segment to segment to segment to segment, right? Into contact. Now, um, with that, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't have very good speed gains from segment to segment in their body. And like Bo had opened up, a big piece of that has to do with um, not being able to decelerate um, or not being able to do it in sequence, decelerate in sequence to get it into contact. So that's definitely a big part of it. So I'm just going to try to make sense of this. So you're saying that sometimes uh, the initial pelvis speed, if it's higher, Sometimes that energy gets stuck throughout the kinetic chain and it doesn't, you don't see um, as much of that force being transmitted into the ball as opposed to maybe them generating, um, you know, having a little bit lower pelvis speed and then gaining speed throughout the, the process of the swing, correct? Correct, yeah. So it's less important how much speed I create and more important how much speed I transfer or gain. So much more important. So force production is important, right? That's not, don't hear what I'm not saying. 
Force production is absolutely important, but force transmission is king. If we can't transmit force, it doesn't matter. If I'm trying to put a nail into a wall and I sprint from the other side of the room, crow hop, swing the hammer, create a whole bunch of force and miss the nail, it doesn't matter, right? The goal is I have to get that force into the baseball or into the nail in that analogy, right? So it's not about how much force I create. That is very important still. That is a big piece of it. But we have to understand that we have to be able to transmit that force into the ball. So a lot of people are gaining a whole bunch of speed with their pelvis, but they're not generating that speed into the ball, right? Um, and they're not transferring not only the speed. The speed is only a piece of it, right? And we'll dive into that later as well. But like the speed is only a piece of it and it is important and it doesn't play and it does play a large it does play a large it has a large impact right um and correlation with force production but it isn't the end all be all there's much more going on but diving back into that question not getting too off track right is that yes there's people that would be better off if they generated less speed with their pelvis but captured the energy uh, more efficiently. Perfect. And then um, as that process goes and you're generating speed, um, you know, you have a good sequence. What do you see? How does that translate as far as bat speed? Um, delivering of the barrel head of the baseball, what do you see there? Yeah. So uh, going from segment to segment, um, what you would like to see in a perfect uh, kinematic sequence, what you would see is that if I want to get a, the most efficient transfer possible, and this is from uh, primary movers to secondary movers, and again, just kind of diving into um, this rabbit hole of physics, right? Is that if you think about it like this, if, um, and I, and um, Sam um, from Driveline posted this a while back ago, uh, maybe we'll post it in the notes or something like that so you guys can take a peek. But basically, just think about it like this let's say you're riding a bike, right? We all were riding bikes at some point, hopefully. Um, so like if you're riding a bike and you're riding down, you know, and you got your headphones in and you're just jamming, not paying attention. And all of a sudden, boom, you hit a curb, right? Head on, hit the curb. You go over the handlebars, boom, sends you flying off your bike, right? The primary mover in that instant, the bike was the primary mover, right? As soon as the uh, bike came to a very sudden stop because it hit, um, the curb, that energy and all that energy and that momentum that was inside the primary mover there, uh, then transferred into your body and then you captured all of that energy, right? Cause energy can't be created or, or, um, or destroyed. Okay. You captured that energy is, you know, not, a, and this is the thing. The harder I slam on the brakes, the more energy that I can capture, right? Meaning like this. I told this to like a little kid. We had a, um, I think he's 12 near last night, right? Telling him like, okay, when you're driving with your dad in the car, right? And you didn't have your seatbelt on and you're in the backseat, okay? And dad slams on the brakes as hard as possible, right? You then capture all of that energy and then you fly, go flying into the front seat, right? You slam into the chair in front of you. Now, if dad slowly puts on the brakes, you don't capture all that energy, Okay, that that energy is then dissipated through other, you know, a whole bunch of different segments in the sense of like heat, right from the brakes, all these other things. Um, and um, it's captured by it's dissipated through all the objects that are in the car. Um, that energy is dissipated in a multitude of ways. Okay, but when I have a very sudden stop and the faster I'm able to, able to decelerate, um, the faster I'm able to transfer energy from um, one segment to another. So 
Now let's tie that in. So in a perfect kinematic sequence, what we'd like to see is a very sharp acceleration, right? A very sharp line on a graph going, uh, getting up to speed very rapidly. And then also a very sharp deceleration on the opposite side. Um, and then the deceleration happening before, right? Before and almost getting to zero, if not going backwards, which we'll talk about at a later time too, is that then I would see a very sharp acceleration in peak of my torso and a very sharp then again a deceleration on that side of the torso and then a very sharp acceleration of um, my lead arm and then a sharp deceleration and then the same thing for my hand again therefore therefore all the way to the bat right so and actually in an ideal scenario um, the hands uh, the hands actually should be decelerating into contact okay but the bat should be accelerating into contact right so this is the thing if we actually want the bat to capture the most amount of energy momentum all those things together the hands actually will start to decelerate into contact um and it is very that is a very complex and very hard thing to do it's not that's something that's very simple uh but the most elite in the world do that um so that's something to keep in mind too um is that everything is um primary and secondary movers so this is example. Everything can be a primary and everything can be a secondary mover. Some people will get that confused, right? So my pelvis, when my pelvis starts rotating, that's my primary mover. And then my torso could be seen as my secondary mover, right? But in the relationship between my torso and my lead arm, which would be my front arm and my swing, my torso would be the primary mover. My lead arm would be the secondary mover, right? And then we look at that from my lead arm to my hand. My arm would be the primary mover, and then my hand would be the secondary mover, and then my hand would be the primary mover, and then my bat would be the secondary mover, right? So for all of that to be transferred and captured uh, through the body, I need to see sharp accelerations and sharp decelerations uh, to transfer all of that energy, right, creating the contact. So um, that's where you'll see with the bat speed is we do want to be – at peak bat speed, right? I do, and this is where I agree with everybody. I think everybody agrees with this. We want to be at peak bat speed at contact. Okay. And if we want to be at peak bat speed at contact, um, you've captured the energy up the chain, transmitted it into the end of the bat. Now you're delivering the head to the ball. What does that look like as far as quickness? Um, I know that's something that we talk about, bat speed versus bat quickness. Mm. Um what do you see when it comes to an efficient mover and their and their time to contact versus somebody that's maybe a little bit inefficient creating higher numbers? What does that look like? Yeah, so most people, um, and what you see, and again, very general statement, but it happens, you know, generally speaking, is that when people try to gain speed, um, a lot of times they're a lot longer to contact. And this is a very simple thing to understand this way. Let's say you're, you know, we were in an arcade. Right. And you're in an arcade and you're hitting one of those like you have one of those hanging down like punching bags and you're trying to put up a, a high number. Right. So um, people that try to generate as much uh, more and more speed. Right. They start throwing like haymakers, like these big, long punches. They generate more force and you can get your hand moving at a very uh, at a higher rate of speed. You could also, again, like run, sprint, crow hop and then throw your hand. And now all of that momentum, that linear momentum, that angular momentum, all of those momentums mixed together, you can generate more speed going into the back, right? Um, and more force applied when you go into the back. While all of those apply more speed, um, the time, right, 
generally, uh, when people are trying to do this, they're, they're compensating because they're not able to create that speed in a short window. So then they create it in a longer window because they're not as good as an athlete, right? The best athletes or the best, um, uh, most skilled athletes at uh, these particular tasks can get up to speed at a very uh, short period of time and really short windows. So when we look at this and we have it where, you know, we're kind of uh, diving into all of those things is that we need to understand that while most, when most people try to gain speed, they do it by increasing the window, right? And when you do that, um, as you, obviously there's a law of diminishing returns, right? Um, and usually happens very rapidly, especially in a sport like baseball is that, yes, sure. If I told, you know, uh, Mike Trout, Hey, I want you to swing this bat as hard as you could. Yes, he could create, you know, more more speed than probably anybody that, you know, lives on the planet, right? But with that being said, he still if the task if that's the task, sure, but the task is not how much, you know, Mike Trout then will go, "Oh man, you swung that bat at 95 miles an hour. That equals a home run." That's not how that works, right? The whole point is I had the ball over the wall which is much different than I just want to generate as much bat speed as possible, which is, again, in boxing, very similar. You don't get rewarded for how, how, how fast your hand's moving. You have to hit the object and you have to land it with timing, precision, all these other things that have to go into the, the complexity of a strike with the momentum and uh, capturing energy. It's not just the speed. Again, all these things to dive into. But very important that understanding that most people, their time to contact increases when they try to generate more and more speed because they're compensating to create that speed. Okay. And when you talk about decreasing the amount of uh, time to contact, um, and you talk about how bat speed correlates into that, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of an idea of um, these elite movers uh, and, and the, the elite players in the world. What is the range you typically see for bat speed? Um, and maybe uh, versus some of the con- uh, preconceived ideas that, that they might have. Yep. So this is actually, uh, again, um, is pretty interesting. So most people think that professional athletes, that their bat speed, um, is somewhere in like the 90, you know, 90 to hundred miles an hour. Right. Uh, blast has proven this, um, a multitude of times. And also too, we've done this with our own studies and also, uh, driveline is even, again, no one has their, their speeds in that numbers. Now we do have a guy that can generate 90 plus mile an hour bat speed. Like that's, we do have a guy that, that does that, but this is uh, this is what we see. Um, according to Blast, okay, Blast with their numbers, what they see is that um, average in-game bat speed is sixty-nine point like eight, right? That's average in-game bat speed by professional athletes. Okay. Um, now, when they're training, we they typically saw uh, I think it was like seventy-six point eight or something like that. It was their bat speed. Okay. So this is this is the the difference there. You would think, okay, well, man, that you know, okay, maybe that's maybe that's still a pretty quick rate of speed. I I bet that amateurs can't swing the bat that fast. Look, we get high school and college guys that we come in for evals all the time that swing the bat way faster than that. Guys in the 80s, upper 80s, again, with like I said, we have a guy that can swing the bat in the 90s. Okay, so with that being said, that is not the generate bat speed at that rate. Again, this is what we you get. You fall into this rabbit hole of speed. Everybody's chasing all the speed. First off, they don't even know what they're chasing, right? Even knowing what pro range speed is. And also too, just because you can generate the same speed doesn't mean you're generating it in the same way. Very important. Just because you can generate the same speed doesn't mean that you can generate it in the same way. 
right? So just because you can mimic the hand speed of Mayweather doesn't mean that you're generating that speed the same way. So if you can throw a haymaker and generate the same hand speed as Mayweather can uh, create in a jab, right? Those are much different strikes and can be utilized in much different ways. Okay, so that's very important in, in that uh, sense when we start diving into those things is we have to understand that there is a um, how you're generating the speed is very important in the sense of the strike. So that's 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 the the first step there is that our pro guys and their numbers are a lot different than what you would expect them to be, and also to how they're generating them is also much more uh, much different. You kind of walked into my spider web there, and a lot of this obviously deals with the complexity of the ball strike, which we've talked um, about and you've opened up in past episodes. But um, why don't you open up a little bit on why that is, uh, kind of the adjustability, and like we said, the the, the deceleration, uh, late decision-making, some of that stuff. Yeah, so this is very important. It's something, uh, you know, guys have the, like, let's think of it like this, okay? If you were... If you were like decision training in this in this sense, and kind of we'll tie this things into uh, things, right? So okay, let's put it this way: if you were a new driver, or let's say you know if you're a coach and you have a daughter, right? And she's learning how to drive. Okay, if she was learning how to drive, and you were gonna okay bet something, right? Let's say let's say her life. Okay, <laughs> let's get make this real dramatic. <laughs> if you were gonna bet her life, right? That she was going to be able to um, pull out of this situation, and she was learning how to drive. Okay, would you bet that she can control it better in a parking lot going twenty miles an hour, right, and make better decisions, or on the freeway in an ice storm going a hundred miles an hour? Which, again, that when that time, uh, when that time, right, you have to make quicker and quicker decisions, right? I have to make uh, my mind then, therefore, has to jump into a prediction mode, right? It's got to predict, right? It's got to, it's got to um, make these uh, quick assessments, right? What's going to happen? Uh, project what's going to happen, and I have to make these quick decisions. Well, you know, obviously, we see this is anytime the decisions, there's a time limit, and the tighter that time limit gets, um, obviously, the complexity of the task becomes much more complicated. So um, this is another thing too, just because it, it's the law of diminishing returns, just because, okay, if you drink too much water, you're drowned, okay? Too much of anything is bad for you, right? There's a law of diminishing returns on everything, okay? Now, when we look at these things and we dive into that, um, the faster we uh, swing, or again, especially because most people, when they try to swing harder and harder, their swing gets longer and longer. And this is what happens with, again, scouts have been saying this for a really long time, quick swings, okay? A quick swing has a speed component, right? There is a speed component of quickness, but quick and speed are two different things, okay? Those are two different things. There's some people that are quick, right? And there's some people that are fast. And again, the quick people do have an element of speed. Speed is important. But it is not everything. There is some people that are that have a lot of speed, but are not quick, right? So there's there's, there's different things going on. And this again example that uh, Eugene uses all the time, and I think he talked about this in the ball strike uh, episode that we did a little while back. So make sure to go check back into that. Is that let's say you know um, okay, let's say this. Let's use a different example. Let's say that Bo at top speed is 26 miles an hour. 
freaking screaming, just beating, just, just beating people. Right. And I, my top speed is 21 miles an hour. Right. But again, I'm still elite. Right. <laughs> now with that, right. Let's say I get up to top speed. Right. And 0.12. I know you ain't going to say you're going to beat me full. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I get up to speed in 0.12. Right. But Bo gets up to speed and he runs faster than me. He has a tire top end speed. But he gets up to speed and 0.16. Let's say the race, right? Let's say the race, right, is only is only 60 feet, 6 inches, right? Let's say uh, that race. Because I get up to speed quicker than him, right, I'm in, in, in that race. Because the race is so short, right, it doesn't matter, right, his top end speed. It matters how quickly in that race. Like, put it this way. I, I've said this on Twitter before. I can beat Usain Ray, uh, Usain Bolt in a race. I could beat a train, a car, a jet. I can beat anything. The fastest thing in the world, I could beat it in a race. All right. Now let me add some context. Okay. I can beat Usain Bolt in a race. If it's a, if it's a, if he's got a, me and him are going to race. He starts 80 yards behind me, right? And I, we're only running, we're only running 100 yards. I start 80 yards in front of him. They say go. I don't care how fast he is. I'm beating him. I got to run a shorter race than he has to run. If you start a jet and it's got to go all the way around the world and I only have to take a step to win the race, I win. I don't care how fast the jet is, right? The, fa- the jet would have to be so fast, right, that I couldn't take a step before it beat me, right? That's how fast the jet would have to be, right? And they're not. Right? They're not fast enough to beat me in, in that race. So it doesn't matter, right? The speed is great, but I, it, it, the length of the race is very important. Right. So, yes, somebody could be swinging the bat at a at 90 miles an hour. Right. But if someone's swinging the bat at 90 miles an hour. Right. And they're running a much longer race than I am. Right. I can still be quicker to contact. Now, again, context with that. There's some guys that are quick to contact that have no power. And there's some guys that are quick to contact and have power. There's other guys that are long to contact and have no power. There's some guys that are long to contact and have power, right? There's a, there's a lot of other things going on. And again, there's the complexity of that. And we dive into this even much, much deeper when we look into like our courses and stuff that we have coming out. So there's a lot of things in there that will kind of break down a lot of those things. But again, we need to come back to foundationally. And the foundation is we need to understand is that speed is not everything. There's a lot more things going on and the complexity as Bo dived into, and this is what we dive into on the courses, is the complexity of a ball strike is much more complicated than me just hitting the ball on the barrel. And again, uh, Bleak and I kind of talked on that on the, um, the complexity of a ball strike um, a couple episodes ago. So definitely go and check that out as well. Kind of give you a better wrap on that. But the, we need to understand that is that the speed and not just bat speed, but pelvis speed, torso speed, lead arm speed, hand speed, those all chasing those things, uh, we need to get away from the, just chasing those speeds because I was talking about this with the dad the other night. It can really hurt young athletes. And that's what I want to dive into is understanding why it hurts young athletes and why that leads to like diminishing returns when it comes to that, you know? 
Why don't you open that up uh, a little bit more for us here as we get towards the end as far as um, why that doesn't tell the whole whole story and why that could be detrimental to those young guys, um, especially as they learn and start developing and and hardwiring their CNS. Yeah, so this is a big thing. So what happens again when we're talking about with these speeds is is um, guys trying to gain these speeds. So what guys start doing again? Let's say they start uh, they start adding leg kicks. They start adding all these other things that again for certain guys might be okay. But what we see is again is that when we look at movement, some of the best movers that we have are you know young younger are athletes. Again, we have some thirteen year olds that move better um, than you know. Some call uh, some of our pro guys that we have guys that come in that are you know trying to get better that have you know been lost that we have we have thirteen year olds twelve year olds that move better than them. So right? when you say move better, you saying move more efficiently as far as Correct. like their their kinematic sequence. Correct. They're they're very they're more efficient and they're just better movers. Period. This is the thing. Is this is and this is again. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The older athlete is a better athlete. They can create more force in short windows. Right, and they can decelerate in short windows. Now they can they can compensate better. Yes, they're better compensators. So they're a better athlete and they're stronger. Right, they're stronger. They can generate more force, but it doesn't mean that they're a better mover. Right. So our younger athletes typically are better movers. Now, again, another thing to mix in there is the mid-level athletes. Usually, again, from 13 years old up to like you know college guys, like that middle mix. Our guys, that's when they start moving like crap. So they start, they start, they're stronger, they're faster, they can compensate more. So then they start hardwiring that CNS system, just trying to create as much speed as possible because they need to hit bombs now. They need to be a pro level. They need to generate the same speeds as pro guys do right now, right? So then what they do is when they, when they take that in is guys start cheating, right? They start yanking their hips open. They start trying to generate all the speed and because they're not being efficient, what they need to do to create more hand speed, right? If there's a break in the chain. So let's say this, let's say if you're a wall outlet, right? And you're putting out, let's say, uh, I'm not an electrician. So for, forgive me. Okay. So let's just say, let's just say a hundred Watts. <laughs> All right. Let's just, let's just start there. Make it real simple. Okay. So let's just say it's a hundred, the hundred Watts. I don't even know if that's correct. I don't even, I don't know anything about electricity. So let's say it's a hundred volts. I don't know. I don't even know how this works. Okay. So if we take that, let's say at the beginning, right, we have a hundred and, and we're plugging extension cord and then we plug it into the machine. Okay. Now let's say by the time that energy gets to the machine, right? Let's say it's only putting out 20 volts or watts or whatever the hell we want to give it, right? So that means I'm losing 80 watts or volts, right? Through that process from the wall to the machine, okay? That is a very inefficient, right? In this example, I have no idea if that is efficient or not. No clue, okay? So in this example, that's very inefficient, right? So then what do guys start doing? They go, oh man, well, I'm not, I can't even turn on this machine. There's not enough power. So what do I have to do? Well, what they start doing, instead of making the middle process more efficient, right, what they do is they start generating more and more force out of the wall, right? They start upping it. Now I can create 150 volts or watts or whatever out of the wall. And then when it gets to the machine, let's say now it's, you know, you're getting 45 or something like that, 50, right? But again, so what I'm doing is I'm compensating by creating more and more and more and more and more force, but that's because I'm not efficient. What I need to do is make the the route that the energy takes from the wall to the machine much more efficient, 
right? And then what I do as an athlete, I need to train on the performance side and learn how to create force in those windows, right? And I need to train also too when I'm training uh, hitting and all these these items, uh, creating speed the right way. Right. And creating speed the ways that these pro athletes do. It's not just the speed, but again, how they create the speed. It's very important that we learn how to create force in those short windows, not just learn how to create the speed, period. Right. Very important when we look into that. So what happens is, is these athletes, when they're young, they start going, oh, I don't swing as fast as him. He does. Well, yeah, of course you don't. You're 12 and he's 25. Right. He's a grown man. He's strong and also, too, about to be in the peak of his life of strength, athleticism, all of those things because, of, again, when you take in what he's about to do and you're 12, of course you don't swing as hard as he does and, of course, you don't generate as much force as he does. Now, if you – it's not saying that you shouldn't try to become better and better as an athlete or a more skilled athlete in that sport and generate speed in those windows, but that's the key words. You want to learn how to generate speed in those windows, those very tight windows, not just get trying to gain speed in any way possible, because again, that leads down a the wrong direction and also can get you much further away from your goal. You're working hard against yourself and you're training athletes to work hard against themselves. All that work that they're doing, again, if you try to get up there and let's say you generate, you, you got the fastest haymaker on the planet, that's great, whatever the heck you got. Okay, if you get in there and you try to fight Mayweather, okay, He's going to knock you out. I don't care. Look, you can you can be the greatest street fighter with the best haymaker on the planet. That's great. If you happen to land it on him, again, if you happen to land it on him, I'm not saying that it doesn't generate force. It generates force. If you happen to land it on him, sure, maybe you can knock him out. But guys have been trying to do that for years against Mayweather. Guys have been trying to land haymakers on Mayweather for a long time. Okay, and I'm not saying that you can't, and I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm just saying he's undefeated. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay, so we need to we need to understand that that it's not saying that it's not possible. We're not saying that it doesn't create force. Absolutely, but there is this thing of baseball and the constraint of baseball that has to come back to consistency and how often I hit the ball hard. It's not how it's not how hard you hit the ball. It's how often you hit the ball hard. Okay, that's a very important thing. To tie in together. Perfect. I think that pretty much um, sums up the conversation and more than that sparks a conversation for coaches to um, circulate through the game. Um, let us know what you guys think. Uh, don't be afraid to share your ideas on uh, bat speed, um, really anything related to speed at, during the kinematic sequence of the swing. Uh, we want to know what you guys think, want to know what you guys' opinions, and we want to know what you guys want to hear about as well. So um, make sure you guys are interacting with uh, interacting with us on Twitter. Uh, it's usually free advertisement for you guys. Joey and I are, are pretty quick on, on the on the Twitter fingers nowadays. So um, don't hesitate to, to do that, guys, and um, keep pushing the game forward with us. Speed, baby, speed. <laughs> okay, guys, hey, absolutely. Check in on um, on social media, all kinds of things. Interact with us, like he just said. Uh, check out the system.farm. We have a whole bunch of resources on there, and we need more help with you guys. We need more help from you guys to keep growing that and keep pushing the game forward. Um, so absolutely keep sharing your resources with us so we can get uh, the game moving. And also... Um, as we continue to grow this again, guys, check out the system, not farm. We have, uh, shirts. We want you guys and hats. We want you guys to look like you're part of the team. We love, and, uh, we love all the communications and how you guys reaching out. And again, guys, uh, saying again, they're listening to this while they're mowing the fields, while they're recruiting, a lot of recruiting going on right now. So share when you guys are, uh, when you guys are listening, let us know that you guys are listening and we'll give you guys a share on social media as well. Let everybody else know that you're learning, um, along the road. 
but from us and our partners over at Yakutech. Until next time, Farm System out.